simple question. What is the ultimate goal of parenting? And it would be easy enough to answer if there weren't so many competing voices. Make your kids tough. Make your kids happy. Give them every opportunity, but don't spoil them. Make sure that they are kind and also very, very successful. As parents, we feel internal pressure and we feel external pressure from every new scientific study, from psychologists and authors, from friends and judgmental mother-in-laws alike. And they all make us feel like we aren't doing quite good enough. But it's awfully hard to hit the target if we don't actually know what we're aiming for. So on May 6th through 7th, Midtown Milestones will be hosting a free parenting conference weekend to help you see and savor the real goal of parenting. Joy. Joy is the target. Sign up at MidtownMilestones.com. We can't wait to see you there. Welcome to the Midtown Midweek, three best friends, but also giving you a behind the scenes look on our servants, our church staff in the city we love. This is your host, Melly Fresh, joined by Drake Blair. What up, Jake? Hi. Hi. Your name is not Drake. And our third best friend, Pastor John Ludovina from Midtown Downtown. Hey, John. Woo. Behind the scenes look at three best friends on a couch. John, do you have a local spotlight for us today? Uh, local spot? Well, um, good friend, Midtown member, Bree Bess. Yeah. Hangs out with the Ludovina family a lot, you know, because she's Aunt Bree to our kids. She is oddly, I would say oddly into Korean pop culture and some of the, like the K-pop bands and stuff. That's kind of a more unrelated fact. I just think it's funny, so I brought it up. You know of a local Columbia K-pop band? No. Oh, but. I think that is probably why she knew immediately about a new Korean style rolled ice cream place called Cremo. It's spelled K-R-E-M-O. It's down in five points. It shares a building with a... With the Walgreens. Well, near where the Walgreens is, but yeah, kind of a separate that. building. It's, so, it's, you know, if you haven't seen this, you can look it up on YouTube. It's like a super cool metal plate, and they pour this cream on it with toppings in it, and they kind of mix it up with uh, little putty knives, and then they make it really thin. And so it's like super cooling. It's freezing right in front of your eyes, and then they roll it with the putty knife, and it makes a little, you know, a little rolled Ooh. up yes. like, a, like a fruit by the foot. That is roll up. A fruit roll up, like a fruit yeah. roll up, but made out of ice cream. And then they put a bunch of those in your cup and then they put more toppings on top of that. Oh, that's fun. There you go. Cremo in five points. Check it out. John, what were some things that did not make the final cut of the service? Well, I just love this where we get to like, you know, do a behind the scenes look at three best friends talking about our sermons, talking about couches. John, we're glad you're here. Thanks. Yes. You're welcome. Yeah, I got some a uh, couple things didn't make it in or just like other things I thought about, but I'd already kind of I was already at the parameters. So I was like, it just doesn't fit. Um, you know, obviously on Sunday, we talked about Jesus, our unexpected king, the suffering servant who leads by descending. And in that way is not the leader that we expect, even though he's the leader that we need. Uh, one of the things that I do really like is when um, even in, in teaching team, there are a few times where I think Ant over at Two Dots was like, Bro, it kind of sounds like you're telling me I shouldn't want to follow Jesus's leadership. It's like, no, no, that's not what I'm getting at at all. I'm just saying he's totally different than what our inherent 
naturalistic, sinful state as humans that we're looking for in leaders. Um, but every now and then, again, one of the, he was, he would always be like, "Hey, man, make sure you don't overstate that," because there are some Christian leaders who really do this really well, and there are some leaders who are Christians who lead by descending, and we and we do honor them sometimes, and and that's really true. And I like sometimes it seems like people in culture like kind of discover this like they think they've um so I, I don't even know if he's a believer or not but jim collins big business leadership guy wrote a, a business leadership book called good to great that we've studied and read as a staff throughout the years but good to great what they they studied companies that were fortune 500 companies so already doing pretty well and then they made the jump up to being fortune 50 companies or fortune 100 100 companies so they were kind of saying how they said that's one of the hardest things to do if you're already a good company it's really hard to move from good to great because it's you get complacent you're just happy where you are and so as they studied these companies as they studied all these leaders so he he in his whole book and all of his research about these companies uh his big conclusion was level five leadership and it's like that's a funny business term but if you go read the book level five leadership is just servant leadership like that's what it was the companies that made the jump from good to great were companies who had leaders who were not in it for ego they were not trying to build their brand they were not trying to get all the applause and the accolades they were just trying to serve their companies well i heard a quote about level five leadership from that book that I think pertains to, to servant leadership, the idea of when something goes well, a level five leader looks out. When something goes wrong, a level five leader looks within. Well, yeah, he put a little concrete uh, metaphor on it. So it's when, when, when there's criticism, the level five leader looks in the mirror. And when there's praise, the level five leader looks out the window. So he's always trying to give praise away to someone else. And when there's criticism, he's trying to own that or she, he or she. Uh, another thing that we, it connects to the sermon. I don't think it necessarily would have gone in the sermon. Pastor Ryan Reich oversees our care and recovery in our pastors group me. He threw out an article, which was, it's a Substack article. Can someone explain to me what a Substack is? Substack makes it simple for a writer to start an email newsletter that makes money from subscriptions. So the, the Substack article is called pity the zoomer athlete. So just defining some terms right out of the gate, uh, you know, in that kind of 35 to 25 year old age bracket, you've got millennials and then coming behind them, you know, 25 to 15 ish, 25 to 12 ish. You've got Gen Z comes next and then Gen Alpha is coming behind them. And so Gen Z are also called zoomers sometimes like boomers. And what the author talks about is a couple kind of famous athletes, young uh, they both happen to be female. I, I think the, it, it applies much broader than that. But Naomi Osaka is a tennis star, uh, one of the highest paid female athletes, maybe the highest paid professional female athlete in history. Uh, and then you had obviously Simone uh, Biles in the Olympics recently, where both of them in certain ways have talked about their mental health in public. And so I think you've got a situation where. 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, our, the, our parents, gen, my parents' generation, uh, nobody talked about mental health. If you dealt with mental health, that was shameful and you hit it and you just didn't talk about it. And so what happens with all these cultural issues is the pendulum starts to swing. We go, ooh, that's bad. And then the pendulum starts to swing, but it doesn't find a nice healthy middle ground. It swings all the way to the other extreme where now talking about mental health is almost like this badge of honor. It's almost like a merit badge. And so there are just some really good, interesting quotes uh, in the article. I pulled a couple of them. Um, so referring to uh, Simone Biles, it said, quitting wasn't just understandable, 
but extravagantly heralded. Time Magazine made Biles its Athlete of the Year in 2021, mostly on the basis of taking a break from being one. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, they also had just some some connections between the, the younger generation, social media, and how social media kind of feeds narcissism, which is where it kind of connects more to our sermon content from this week. Uh, so here's a couple of quotes. Putting yourself first is a dead end, as is trusting the digitized landscape to approximate community. I'll also add that contrary to the popular messaging on me- mental health, exposure to adversity is good. That doesn't mean Simone Biles should have comp- competed while experiencing the gymnastic version of the yips. It does mean that the glorifying of conflict avoidance is probably bad for society. Hmm. And then uh, another one, uh, happiness is inversely correlated with the time you spend thinking about yourself. So it's a little bit one off. My brain does funny things where I think everything connects to everything. But um, just thinking a little bit about Jesus descending and his call to his followers to descend I think we're in a unique cultural moment right now where in a thousand different ways, our culture is saying, don't descend, Um, put yourself in the spotlight, even in your weaknesses, always be narcissistically posting about yourself on social media, always be doing whatever you have to for the likes and the clicks do just get attention on you and think about yourself all the time. And that's the pathway to happiness. And Jesus says, no, actually dying to yourself pouring yourself out is, is a better way to happiness. It's a longer term. And I think this was actually Jake and I had kind of flipped the sermon content. At one point you were going to do this one. And you had a quote from Eugene Peterson, who's just said a servant Christian is the freest person on earth. And I mean, that's, that's a big statement uh, that I think is worth at least contemplation. I think when you look at Jesus, you see that Mm -hmm. Jesus is the most fulfilled, the most whole, the most satisfied human being who ever lived on planet earth. And because of that, because he was so free, because he had all of the power, because he had everything he needed, he was just free to give himself away. He didn't have to fight to try to climb because there was no insecurity. There was nothing lacking in him. He had everything. He was totally free to serve. Um, And I think that the more we are being filled up in Christ, are receiving his joy, receiving his peace, the more free we become to give our lives away as well. And the less we have to look for outside sources for fulfillment and validation because we're getting it all from Jesus. Exactly. Yeah. Reminds me of Serve the City this weekend. And my daughter and I did something and I was driving to the office explaining to her what serve the city is about and then started talking about how Jesus says, pick up my cross and follow me. And like, we believe as followers of Jesus, life is best spent when spent on others and try to just have wrap her mind around that. But also I'm preaching to myself that the good life is found in forgetting yourself and looking to others. Very, very much. Yeah. Uh, kind of two more thoughts on it. You know, I love how you were just kind of mentioning with the kids and the parenting piece. So we, we ran the spot earlier, but obviously a lot of my time and focus right now is on our milestones conference that's coming up, uh, the first weekend in May, May 6th and 7th. And our theme for this year, joy is the target. This is kind of cheesy, but I always grew up hearing that joy comes from putting Jesus first, then others, and Jesus then yourself you. third. Yeah. Jesus, others, you is joy. But there's like a lot of truth to that. I think, you know, just that whole idea of life is spent best when it's spent on others. Um, And so uh, 
I'm really excited for milestones and just pushing into this with parents because of what we were just talking about, the cultural moment that we live in right now where narcissism uh, is kind of just, it's, it's in the water in all these subtle forms, not necessarily, I mean, I'm not trying to make any clinical diagnoses. I'm just saying there's like a low grade, kind of like we talked about prosperity gospel light in the sermon. There's like a narcissism light that's just floating in the water that we're all swimming in the cultural water that we're in. And so a lot of this conference, we're going to be helping equip parents how to prevent your kids from thinking in these subtly narcissistic ways, how to prevent your kids from train wrecking their mental health while they think they're actually pursuing it um, and how to pursue Jesus instead. Um, and then w- one other little thought, it's at the very end of the article. And once again, I don't, I don't know this author, but at the very end of the article, uh, I think the last line in it was, unfortunately, it seems small scale selflessness has no salesman. And I just kept thinking about that of like, man, Jesus is not a salesman, but he is a champion for that. And it was just interesting. I don't know if this guy's a Christian or not. I don't know what he knows about Jesus, Mm -hmm. but it's like in a culture that's saying, be all about you. We're going to celebrate you, whether you're high, whether you're low, we're just going to, you, you freely, you, uh, Jesus is going, no, lay yourself down. And he is actually leading his people into small scale selflessness. I thought that was just a really beautiful, it's not even necessarily grandiose selflessness where you're trying to get, you know, applause from look at this awesome selfless thing selfless I did. I yeah. Am. You know, yeah. uh, which I think once upon a time, the, probably when we were kind of going up through college, like the way you did that was you moved to Africa and you put three orphans on your back and you just start digging wells. Like that was like the grandiose version of selflessness, mm-hmm. which, Hey, listen, some people did that cause God's spirit called them to, and it was beautiful and wonderful. But I don't think that's what, you know, we kind of had to correct that a little yeah. bit to like everyday ordinary. Like I just read Platt's Radical and now if I don't do that, yeah, I could be in sin. And it's like read Radical and then read Everyday Ordinary together. Like, you know, read those two things and try to figure out how to walk in the balance. Okay, so th- the other one is just kind of a fun one. I've probably mentioned this before, but as we're heading up to Easter, I really like to just mention music and songs sometimes. So like even when I'm prepping for a sermon or in certain seasons, like in the season of Lent leading up to Easter, there's just there's some playlists and some songs that I like to listen to over and over again. I like to listen to them from year to year. It's kind of part of meditating on Jesus and the truth, you know, good, biblically rich, solid songs. So I just want to prop up two songs and I bet we can even link them in the show notes. Sure can. Hey. Swipe right. That's fun. No, hit the show more button. So this is two songs. One is called Lower Still by a band called My Epic. You love this song. Well, so Jay Hendricks, you know, our one of our worship leaders, one of our pastors, uh, shared it with me a number of years ago. I think that we've talked about this song on the podcast before. I don't know for sure. But it's just a beautiful, I mean, even just don't listen to the song. The song's kind of angsty, emo rock. Now we're talking. And I do love yeah. that. Uh, but if you're not into that, just read the lyrics like poetry. And there's just this whole part in oh, the whole thing, the whole thing, just describing Jesus's descent the theme as the title of the song is lower still and so it's like whatever you know he's the the flesh is being ripped off his back he must go lower still uh he's you know paraded around in front of these crowds jeering at him he must go lower still lower still lower still and i, and I love that and then there's this really beautiful redemptive moment moment in the song where it's, it's going lower still lower still lower still like a seed in the ground, which this is a reference to some that Jesus taught that uh, unless a seed is buried in the ground and dies, it cannot bear much fruit. And so they make that connection from Jesus' teaching to his body being buried in the ground. But then like a seed, the plant 
bursts forth from the ground. It erupts. Jesus bursts forth from the ground and just fruit around the world for millennia ever since. And it's a great song. Uh, you should check it out. There's one other one called Suffering Servant by Dustin Kensrew. Um, I don't think, I think that's just a Kensrew uh, release. I don't think it was while he was in a band. And I'm, unfortunately, I don't know if Kensrew is still really walking with the Lord, but at least at one point he was writing unbelievably beautiful biblical songs and Suffering Servant is one of them. And you should check it out. It's a great Good Friday and Easter um, meditation, really coming straight out of Isaiah 52 and 53, these servant songs about Jesus. It's great. That's awesome. Yeah, links will be in the show notes. Check those out. All right. Well, that's all we got time for. John, thanks for being on here. We'll see you guys later. Check the show notes. I love you all. I think y'all should cut all of this. We will. Okay, Don't great. worry. So the...